Well, I don't know about you, but I think it's time we stuck our nose in a book. That's something that most of us could do a little more of, hey, myself included. But I can think of no better person to help us do it than this week's guest. She is a newly published author, and I tell you, she herself is a pretty good story. But she has also written a fascinating fictional story. And her name is Julie Peralta. She has many years of experience teaching in the Henderson County School System. Just recently, she has branched out into writing, and her book is entitled The Crystal Orb, and it's the first in a series, so more to come from Julie for sure. And we'll find out the inspiration behind her book, how she came up with the plot, setting, and so forth, the, the biggest challenges she faced, as well as her future writing plans. So grab a seat and stay a while, because here it comes, Blabbing in the Bluegrass Season 6, Episode 13. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Danville to Decoy Diamond to Dundee, nobody takes you clear across the Commonwealth without you ever having to leave the comfort of your couch. Like we do here, if we do say so ourselves, on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we explore and celebrate all thanks, Kentucky. How are you? I'm Sam Moore here at the lovable and luxurious North Quail Motel in beautiful Henderson, KY, and I am more than honored to bring you this week's special guest. Again, her name is Julie Peralta, and uh, I actually heard her on the radio a couple weeks ago now, I guess it was, on the WSON local radio station here in Henderson, Julie was a special guest on Speak Up, which is a public affairs program on SON, and I had no earthly idea that not only had Julie recently written the book, but she had also recently gotten it published. Now, writing and editing a book is no quick and no simple task. And let me tell you, friend, neither is getting a book published. If you've never tried it, never known somebody who has, you might not have any idea, but they are both grueling at times and very gradual processes. So we'll find out more about what those were like for Julie Peralta the first time around. And I say first time around because Julie's book that has just been published is the first in a series. So uh, plenty more to come from Julie Peralta for sure. And uh, again, the book is called The Crystal Orb. You've not read it yet? Well, neither have I. But I know we're all going to find out more than enough to make us want to read it. And we could all use some more reading in our lives because reading uh, solves a lot of problems, cures a lot of what ails us, and uh, 
there can never be too many books in our surroundings. So, don't you move a muscle. We look forward to uh, visiting with Julie momentarily, who will also pass along some great advice for uh, future educators, future authors, maybe people planning to hopefully pursue both of those avenues like she has done. But uh, we'll get to that and much, much more as we move along here. But first, we have another bluegrass brain buster hot off the press and ready for you. My intention is to do one of these each and every time out. So we'll give you the question now. You can think on it while Julie and I have at it. And we will give you the answer in the program's final segment. So I know that you know the Pledge of Allegiance to the U.S. flag. You can undoubtedly recite that in your sleep. But do you know the Pledge of Allegiance to the Kentucky State flag? We'll see how much of it you know, if any, coming up. Again, I know that you know the Pledge of Allegiance to the U.S. flag. But do you know the Pledge of Allegiance to the Kentucky State flag? We'll find out. I will run through it so you can compare notes and see if what you have is congruent with what I have. And uh, we'll do that at the conclusion of today's show. So stay tuned. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, I couldn't be happier to welcome today a lady who has authored her very first book, it is entitled The Crystal Orb, and it is the first in a series of multiple books. That's right, more to come, and uh, we will talk about that as we go along, but uh, here to give us a, a, a brief synopsis of uh, her background and talk about her inspiration for the book and uh, a little bit about the content without any major spoilers and uh, details on how we can get it, as well as uh, her future writing plans. Let's welcome... Uh, Brand new author and longtime educator, Julie Peralta. Hi, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on your show. I appreciate it. Well, it's a, it's an honor to have you. Uh, I heard your Speak Up program on WSON, local radio station here in Henderson a few weeks ago. And um, I just knew that, uh, you know, the, the more people that heard about this book, the, the better, because it's definitely worth reading. And uh, found out you and Bill Stevens, the uh, news director at WSON, yes. y'all been friends since uh, since childhood, haven't you? Well, maybe more like when we were grown, our children were friends. They went to uh, school together from the time they were very small. And then I helped Bill direct a couple of the eighth grade plays at Holy Name, and then two church place at holy name and then you know with that and then our kids being friends you know you're just kind of become friends i guess right <laughs> yeah that's well, that's interesting you've got the the theatrical background in common there you <laughs> bill now you uh you are from owensboro too right no i am from henderson i okay. actually was born in union county in morganfield and moved to henderson county when i was in the fourth grade so, I see. Yeah. So Union County to start and then then Henderson County. So Henderson. <laughs> if you've if lived in Henderson since fourth grade, I'd say you're a local at this point. But, <laughs> I'm uh, going to claim it. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, Bill's from Owensboro, Bill Stevens. And uh, yeah, he's been in, in Henderson since I think the mid 80s. So I guess uh, I guess both of you can uh, can claim Henderson. So uh, you went to County High then, obviously. Henderson. County I did. High. I graduated from County High. So, and then I went to Henderson Community College for a couple of years and then on to USI. 
There you go. So <laughs> University of Southern Indiana is uh, yeah. where you finished up. Now, um, as we uh, touched on a second ago, you are a, a longtime educator. And we'll start out with a little bit about that before we uh, transition into your book. When did it hit you back in your childhood that, hey, uh, I might want to teach? <laughs> You know, if you had told me when I was young I wanted that I would be a teacher, I would have thought you'd lost your mind. I was painfully shy. There is no way I would want to get up in front of a group of people and speak. Uh, as a matter of fact, I gave my first speech <clears throat> in front of a crowd in the seventh grade, oh. and I did a four-minute speech in probably about 40 seconds flat <laughs> because I read the thing really fast, and I was shaking so hard and had turned so pale, they sent me to the nurse's office. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, but in college, uh, I would ride with my mom. My mom worked at Bristol Myers at the time. And so, you know, we were from Cardin. So what we would do is we would ride in together and I would drop her at work and then I would go on to USI and then I would be there all day long until she got off work and I could pick her up. And so one of my professors, you know, she said, every time I turn around, I run into you. How do you hang at the college all day don't you go home and so I explained the situation she said you should get a job and I said doing what and she said I'm in desperate need of English tutors and you would be perfect so uh -huh. I took the job and left it found out you know I was actually pretty good at it and I really enjoyed doing it so I changed my major from pre-law to education in, in English tutor and uh, gosh I can only imagine what that was like it, it sounds painful but for the right person I know it can be enjoyable <laughs> it was fun it was fun <laughs> absolutely and how long how long did you remain in that role I guess through your college years through my, uh, I did like I said the first two years out on the hill and then um, my junior and senior year I transitioned to uh, USI and so it was just those two years I, I, it, I hadn't been there very long when they offered me the job and, and so maybe six months in is when I changed my, my major. Yeah, I have a master's too that I got from Murray State. I see. I got you. So, so you got a master's from Murray State and, uh, you know, you did that. You did most of that. Well, I would say online, but back then the online stuff hadn't really taken off yet, I bet. No, uh, they had a program that actually came to Madisonville. And so I was working actually at Job Corps at that time. And I would leave Job Corps and get off work at Job Corps and drive to Madisonville to meet the professors, to meet the English teachers, to get my degree. And so I got them all through, all just driving to Madisonville, except for my last three classes, they, they ended that program. And the last three classes I had to drive all the way to Murray. So I took some time off of work. I just took a, uh, just a six month hiatus from work and just went to school full time at Murray for you know, like I said, from August until December, and then that's when I got my master's. Okay, so you spent one full-time semester down yes. there at uh, Murray, and otherwise you were just able to go to Madisonville and get the rest of your stuff, and, and lo and behold, now they have a, uh, a Henderson campus, Murray State does, and that's where a lot of our, uh, that's where a lot of our current teachers get their bachelor's and master's degrees. <laughs> It is a wonderful program, I hear. I've, I've not been a part of it, but I've known several people that got their master's through that program. Indeed, it's it's great. And education is uh, one of their biggest claims to fame. I've got other stuff, but I know a lot of a lot of aspiring educators <laughs> go through there. Now, um, how, if at all, Julie, do you think your, uh, your background in education might have uh, equipped you to excel in book writing? <laughs> You know, I 
don't know. I didn't really know I could write a book until I wrote a book. So <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. Funny but how I, we're always learning about ourselves. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. And, you know, if we want to segue on into this, I actually just, I, I love to read. I've always got at least two or three books I'm reading at any one time. Oh. And, you know, when COVID hit, I was in two different book clubs at the Henderson County Public Library. So I'm going to give a quick shout out to Laura and Hannah, who ran those uh, book clubs. They're wonderful book clubs. So they're always giving me recommendations for things to read. And so I'm thinking, you know, so the COVID hits and then those things go on hold and I can't find any recommendations for anything to read. You know, I can't. And, and I read two or three books at a time. So I read through all the books in my little, you know, I'm going to say library at home. And then I ran out of things to read about a year in. So I'm already back at work. I mean, you know, they, they brought the teachers back. You know, you want the kids in school. They learn better, I think, if they're in school, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's what a lot of them say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so you were in these book clubs. Shout out to HCPL and the work that Laura and Hannah do. You know, what, the, what, what have some of your favorite uh, authors been historically in years past? I, I, will read, I will read anybody. I like everybody. Um, one, of my, one of my favorites, actually, I love Stephen King, but my favorite genre is and probably always has been since high school is fantasy. So clearly J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, The Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. Uh, I read, read that back in high school and just was hooked. Absolutely love that. You know, the Terry Brooks has a good series. Um, I was trying to think who did The Wheel of Time. Um, oh, I'd know it if I heard it. Yeah, I, I would I too. Trying to my time. Yeah, I can't place that, but I, I must confess, uh, Beverly Clary's Ramona books are a guilty pleasure of mine, <laughs> even to this day. That's okay. I liked Little House on the Prairie as a kid. That was my favorite. So yeah, Little House on the Prairie. A lot of a lot of people in your generation really. Well, I I kind of grew up like that. I mean, I grew up on a great big farm and we, you know, we raised our own uh, cattle and our our hogs and, you know, butchered those for food. We didn't butcher them. They went to the uh, slaughtering house, Uh, but we also (laughs) grew all of our own vegetables. We, we really didn't buy much from the grocery store at all. So you could see the connection there pretty quick. Your lifetime of reading undoubtedly prepared you to, to write to a degree. I, I agree with that. I think that's probably true. Yes, indeed. No doubt about it. Now, um, many people talk about writing a book at some point, Julie, but only a fraction of those folks actually end up doing it. So uh, take us through the, the sources of, of inspiration for you in tackling this uh, exciting but uh, very amb- ambitious endeavor. <laughs> okay. Well, ha- how I finally started writing it <clears throat> was, like I said, when the book clubs ended and I didn't have anything to read, I couldn't find any. I was getting recommendations online and from friends, family, and I really couldn't find anything that I really wanted to read. You know, I just, I bought a few things, downloaded some things to my Kindle. I'm not having any real luck of finding anything to read. It seemed like at the time, all the books that were popular were self-help books. And I appreciate those books. I appreciate the authors. You know, it's wonderful that they're going to share that knowledge with us. But that's not what I wanted. All the books I kept running into were how to deal with these difficult times. Yeah. (laughs) Like COVID, for instance. Yeah. I don't want to read about the difficult. I'm living through these. Okay, I don't want to have to, 
to read exactly i want my head out of that i'm gonna go stick my head in the sand like an ostrich you know i'm done with this so one morning i get up and good morning america's on and they're gonna talk about this author and how great she is and how everybody should read her book and i'm thinking this is it this is the book i need okay so i mean i'm getting ready in front of the tv i'm getting you know my makeup on i'm eating breakfast all in front of the tv waiting for this author to come on cheap they finally introduce her and i <laughs> issue it was how we can live through these difficult times you're like oh i've heard that dog bark before <laughs> no 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 pass hard pass gna hard pass thanks, uh, no, and so, thanks. yeah and i'm really frustrated and i just went you know what i've had enough of this nonsense i could write a more fun book than this and i just kind of thought uh, i could write a book I can write a book. Why can't I write a book? I can write a book. I'm going to write a book. That's what I'm going to do. There you go. If, yeah, if, I, if I can't find anything that I'm desperate to read, then maybe I just need to, to contribute to the yeah, writing. Go. I'm going to make one then. So I thought about it all day long and I thought, you know, I need to pick my genre, which for me, it's going to be fantasy. That's always been my favorite. So sure. no brainer there. And I, in my own head, I kind of figured out the first four characters and then I got off work and went home and wrote the first six pages. And there you Look go. Gotcha. So you only spent, what, about a day or two brainstorming? Yep. There you go. Um, it's, uh, it was funny. Two things. One is that I made a promise to myself. I was going to write this thing. I was going to make a promise that I would write every night. So every single night I write something. I don't care how late it is. I don't care if I'm tired or don't feel good or, you know, if the dog need, if the dog gets sick, it doesn't matter. Right. No matter. <laughs> Even yeah, if it's no just matter. two words, you write something. <laughs> I write something. And some nights, you know, it's a sentence or two. Some nights I just kind of go through and edit what I wrote the night before. And I might write a, a word or two. And some nights, you know, I will write five or six pages. And my chapter is only 10 pages long. So, you know, sit down and write half a page in one setting. You know, I, I just, I think that's key to, to doing it is just do it. Yeah, just do what you can and <laughs> discipline yeah. yourself. Because, and I'm, I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of authors say too, sometimes the, the hardest part is, is just getting started. I think, I think so. Uh, I think for me, it was just to make the decision. You know what, I'm going to write a book. And, and I've yeah. talked to quite a few people since I've written the book and I've been out talking about it. So uh, I don't know how many people have said to me, I've always wanted to write a book. And I go, do it. Go do it. Go sit down and do it. <laughs> and You're the only thing stopping yourself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. And, you know, for me as an English teacher, you know, I've taught, you know, hundreds of kids how to write. And there's, there's a formula to this. You're supposed to write out your, your main characters and put a little character sketch, you know, are they tall or short or fat or thin? Do they have what color hair and eyes? Do they have a little bit of characteristics about them? They're athletic or they're lazy or they're funny or, you know, just a little something. And then you're supposed to do this big outline of everything that's going to happen. I didn't do any of it. I did everything wrong. <laughs> it, it all worked out okay, I'd say, even though you didn't uh, take the traditional route uh, into it there. But now being a being an English teacher for, um, how long did you say, 22 years? 22 years. 22 years. So, uh, so I know you remember those ever so dreadful writing portfolios. <laughs> oh, that yes. Acquired yes. by uh, students. <laughs> and uh, let's see, I think when I was going through, it was the fourth, seventh, and 
and 12th grade yep. that you had to have those those writing portfolios so yeah. helped a lot of people put those together so yes indeed and, and you know it I know it's it's got to be a little bit easier to brainstorm on your own after helping all those kids to to brainstorm and come up with their ideas oh I don't work at the ideas I um like I said I just kind of get up every morning and go well what's going to happen to these people today and then I think of something y'all think about it during the day and then I go home and if I like my ideas I go home and write it down I know what'll happen I'll make so-and-so die or you know <laughs> right. like that. I've actually not killed off too many people well yeah I understand <laughs> it's funny how you, you never know when those ideas will come to you do you ever find yourself like uh waking up in the middle of the night with ideas popping in your head <laughs> Not, not in the middle of the night. I'm a pretty heavy sleeper. Oh, but uh, during the day, yes, all the time, I will think of something and I keep a little notebook with me. And if I have the opportunity, then I'll pull out my little notebook and write the ideas down. Uh, and, you know, if I'm lucky, if I'm at work and I've got a minute, I can type it up on my computer really fast. You know, if I have some downtime, which doesn't happen a lot. Uh, or sometimes I just keep the idea in my head over and over again. Okay, I don't have time to write it down. I'm driving down the street. I'm just going to try to commit it to memory. Right. It, it does happen a lot where I think of an idea. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, just uh, random times. But anyway, so, um, you know, right after you, you saw GMA, you saw this author, you were all excited, and it was yet another how-to book. That's, that's where you uh, finally made the decision that uh, it was time for you to write. That had you... Uh, had you ever pondered writing a book at all in years past? Not not seriously. I think, you know, as in college, you know, I may have thought a time or two I should write a book, but not really, not seriously. I mean, the idea of sitting down and writing a whole book is, is kind of daunting. You know, it's sort of scary. It's it's a lot. Who wants to sit down and at the computer, besides from some lunatic like me, and write hours on end? And it just didn't seem like it would be fun, you know? I, right. <laughs> you know, I have other things to do and I was busy and I just never really seriously thought about writing a book. I just got frustrated and went, you know what, I'm going to write a book. So Yeah, and you have kids. How many kids do you have, Julie? Uh, I have two children. Kept you quite busy. So the timing just oh. uh, wasn't right until until this year. But, uh, but anyway, according to a book synopsis that I came across, Julie, in my research, the uh, Crystal Orb takes place in a uh, a magical realm. That's where fantasy ties in, where uh, humans coexist with uh, mythical creatures. So that's uh, that's an interesting uh, an interesting setting, shall we say, for the for the story. And I know it's it's quite original, and there's there's a lot to to be proud of here as far as uh, your creativity. But as far as other books that uh, were written in the past that that you might compare it to at least somewhat. Can you think of any halfway close comparisons? Probably, um, hang on a minute, uh, right on the tip of my tongue. Oh my heavens. Uh, <laughs> that happens to me all the time. <laughs> it'll pop in my head as soon as we quit talking, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe uh, he, wrote, he wrote the Belgariad and the Malorian. David Eddings, that is the guy. David Eddings, David okay. Belgariad <laughs> and the Malorian and the the kind of the draw with that is, you know, if you've read anything, you know, uh, uh, J.R. Token or any of the rest of them, you know, fantasy tends to be really dry and dark. You know, a lot of bad things happen um, and then people have to figure out how to deal with this. And then that's, you know, that's typical fantasy. 
but when I read Eddings, uh, he, had, he had one character in there that every now and then just popped off of something kind of funny. You know, he was, uh, the character was always kind of getting into trouble and, you know, making up stuff as he went along. And he was just kind of a funny character. And I think that was one of the draws of that. So when I wrote my book, I do have a comic relief character in there, although he's, well, he's completely different from Edding's character. He's just <laughs> joke he's just you know he jokes and he cracks people up and he teases and he aggravates and he picks on people and he's always got something to say and you I don't know how many times I've typed in with their characters go oh my gosh shut up just shut <laughs> up you know, because he'll say something wrong you know at the wrong time or and just joking but I think that's one of the things that sort of sets my book apart is it it does have the dark and the doom and the gloom and the you know this horrible thing happens to this girl I'll, I'll explain all that in a second and you know, she's got to figure out how to, how to survive. And, you know, right. there's a lot of twists and turns and, and, you know, you don't know who the good guy is and who the bad guy is and what's going to happen. And then you have Zimp running along in here, you know, every now and then just popping out with something just hilarious. So, so well, when reading Julie's book, you, you'll probably find folks that the hardest part of your day is putting the book down. But, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, while you're reading, you know, if you've read the David Eddings books, you, you might have occasional, uh, flashbacks to them but uh anyway julie what were what were some of the biggest uh obstacles you faced while writing and editing the book i'm gonna go with editing was harder than writing always um, always <laughs> yes i mean i wrote the whole thing in two months i just sat down every night and wrote something it seemed like once i started this i couldn't i couldn't quit writing it i just got pulled myself into it i guess and so I really enjoyed writing it. And then I finished it and I went through and edited it. And I had a couple of people to help me. One was my, my daughter, she's grown. And she figured out, I think it was in the third chapter, finishing the third chapter, she finally called me and called me on this. And she said, you quit texting every night about eight o'clock. I want to know what's going on. And I said, well, I'm writing a book. And she said, well, what's wrong with you? Send it to me. <laughs> so I said it, she loves to read too. I instilled that in her pretty, pretty hard. So anyway, I um, sent it to her and she called me back and she said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, you know, watching a movie, eating popcorn, whatever. And she said, no, what are you doing? And I said, just, just answer the question. And she said, no, I mean, go right. I have to know what happens. What, what's happening with these people? So I had her to help me through the process. I would finish a chapter and send it to her, finish the next chapter, send it to her. And she absolutely loved it. But, you know, my That's question awesome. was, does she like it because it's any good? Or does she like it because mom wrote it? You know, I mean, which one is that? I'm sure it was both. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I, I thought. Maybe it's okay. Uh, so then what I did was I, I, I told my siblings about it and, you know, varying degrees of, you know, go you. Because uh, some of them were very excited and are big readers and some got went, oh, good. Yeah, I'm proud of you. But you know, they probably will never pick, I don't think they picked up a book since <laughs> they're I, just not bookworms. <laughs> but my oldest brother got a bill. Uh, I told him about it and he said, well, I'm going to know a published author. And I said, we're going to know a writer. I don't know if we're going to know an author. That's another story. But I want to know if you'd like to read it and tell me what you think. And he said, yeah, send it down here. And I said, all righty. So I, you know, I, I sent him the link to it. And he, I, he, that was on a Friday. On Sunday, he called me back and said, we need to talk about this book. And I said, well, I got to go sit down. My stomach suddenly hurts. You know, <laughs> so I think, you know, the one thing about my family is that they are, 
sometimes brutally honest. Dramatic <laughs> at times. <laughs> yeah. They're not really good about volunteering it, you know, but right. if you ask, they're going to tell you straight yeah. out what they think. And I asked, so I said, right, love, just hit me between the eyes with it, Bill. Just, you know, just tell me. Go the for truth. it. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. And he said, I couldn't put the dang thing down. And so I he like, read it in two days. He read it in two days. He started reading it at 10 in the morning. He read it till midnight. He said he would have kept reading it, but his eyes got all grainy and they wouldn't blink anymore because he was staring <laughs> at a computer for so long. He oh, went to bed at midnight. Awesome. He said he woke up at five o'clock in the morning. His eyes popped open. And the first thing he thought is, I have to see what happens to those people. So he read it from five until uh, I believe he told me uh, noon. So I think we figured I read the whole thing in 21 hours all, all together. All 21 said. hours. That's yeah. impressive. So, so that was, that was encouraging. And plus you had your, your daughter, you know, she was reading as you sent her chapters and she was like, she's like, Oh mom, what's going to happen to this or that character. And in some cases you were like, well, honey, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> I'm figuring out myself. Yeah, and so Bill loved it. He absolutely loved it. And I said, well, what about plot holes? And he went, oh, I forgot to edit for you. <laughs> he said, I forgot in the book. I, I forgot. I didn't do any editing. Sorry. So, so he loved it. Uh, and then from, and, and of course, you know, he loves to read, but I think for me, one of the bigger things was I have an older sister who is, she is not the bookworm I am. Of course, I don't think anybody's the bookworm I am hardly. You, know, maybe you may be in a league of your own there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. My daughter and my brother, my brother, my older sister enjoys reading. She's in a couple of book clubs and she likes to read, but fantasy is not it. She does not like okay. fantasy. She's not a fantasy girl. Not at all. And her actual quote to me was when I told her I wrote it, she said, well, what's the genre? And I told her and she hesitated. And then she said, well, it's full of berries and gargoyles. I don't want to read it. I said, okay. And she said, what's it, what is it about? And I said, it's fairies and gargoyles. Okay, just so you know, there are no fairies or gargoyles in this book. I was just being a smart aleck. And, uh, <laughs> it's a so, process, process of elimination. You know a little just, bit about what it's not. <laughs> no no fairies or gargoyles. There you go. Uh, but I did it, you know, just kind of teasing her. And, and I said, you know what, it's fine. You don't have to read it. It's it's fun. It's not everybody's genre, you know. And And so she didn't, you know, we agreed I wouldn't send her the book. And about two weeks later, she called me and she said, I can't believe you didn't send me your book. <laughs> That's what you say. You want to read it. She said, you said it was full of fairies and gargoyles. And I said, no, you said it was full of fairies and gargoyles. <laughs> but why would you want to read it? You, you already told me you hate this genre. And she said, well, Bill really bragged on it. And so I decided I'd like to read it. Oh, and I, I bet said, she ended up loving it. She did. And I'm <laughs> stunned. I, I didn't hear from her for two weeks. And I thought she's just trying to think of a nice way to let me down. I mean, she's, she'll be brutally honest. And I told her, you can read it. And I'm accepting gentle criticism, which means you can't say, I hate this genre. It's stupid. Okay. But yeah, constructive criticism is what we accept. Yeah, <laughs> tell me what you think, though, you know, as far as the story and, and the characters on the character development and she called me after two weeks. She said, oh, my God, I didn't know you could write like that. I said, well, I didn't know I could write like that either. So how did I write, though? So, you know, write like that. What is oh, that? Oh, goodness. And you might have helped her broaden her horizon. So she might be reading some more fantasy books down the line. She loved this book, and I'm stunned that she did. She loved it. And she has been, you know, um, harassing me ever since to send her the second book, which is written but unedited. I'm actually think was editing it earlier uh, today, and I think I'm on Chapter twenty. Oh Ring. gosh, so a lot of pages then. If uh, are these, oh, yeah. uh, the book number two, is that about 10 pages per chapter as well? Yes, it's about okay. 10 pages per chapter. And all the first three books were around three, 350, 350, 
pages or so. So they're all they're all running about the same. But um, except for the fourth book, it's going to be quite it's going to be longer. I'm almost on page 400. and I'm not finished with it. So I'll look at you. So, so you're you're well on your way to uh, to a series here, Julie. But it, it, uh, yes. Anyhow, so so book one you wrote in two months and you started writing that. Uh, was it earlier this year or last year? Uh, it was last year. It was in uh, 2021. Hang on, yeah, I started reading it in 2021. I think I started at about mid-January. I gotcha. So, so you've uh, been <laughs> you've been working on this series you know for. I take it back. It was 2020 because I tried to go uh, standard publishing and uh, spent several months working on that. So I, I actually so, no, hang on, let me think. No, that's right. It was 2021 because 2022 is when I is when I got it published. So yeah, so it was published this year, but you <laughs> you worked on it last year. So all in all, you you've been working on this series for uh, gosh a little over a year and a half now. Yes, I have, and I'm surprised because I didn't really set out to write a series. I just got mad and wrote a book, and then I when I finished it, I told my daughter, I said, you know what. I love this series. I love these people. I don't think I'm finished writing about them. I think I'll write another book. Yeah. <laughs> when the book when the book was over, the uh, the ideas weren't. No, so. that's it exactly. <laughs> and, uh, she cheered. Uh, yay. Yeah. Uh, She's so like, bring it on, mama. <laughs> there, there you go. So I have written, I wrote the, the Crystal Orb, and then the second book is called The Mage. The third book, which is also finished, but unedited. I haven't even looked at it since I wrote it is called The uh, Rise of Evil, and the final book is going to be called The Healer's Quest. Okay, so different titles. Um, they're all similar in nature, but uh, with their yes. own different uh, <laughs> different yes. twists and turns. Well, that's, that's awesome, Julie. Now, uh, without spilling too many major beans, why don't you give us a, a, a general gist of the, the thrilling action that, that we can expect? <laughs> along the journey through the uh, the crystal orb your first book so the premise is it starts it's it, there's a girl named Aaliyah and she right. just happens to be hunting and she stumbles across this dying mage you know for those of you that don't mage is a, a magic user somebody that can perform magic and she stumbles across this this uh, dying mage and she tries to help him but you know she's not really medical and you know she does what she can but he this guy's too far gone you know he, he's gonna go and so just before he passes away, he gives her a crystal orb. And she does not want to take this thing because anybody that reads fantasy will tell you that taking an unknown magical object from some strange guy, never going to end well. Okay. So she does no. not want to take this thing. She backs away from him. He passes away. It falls out of his hand and rolls straight to her feet. So now what is she going to do? She looks at it and she finally decides she's going to take it. So she snatches it up and she, you know, it's a beeline for home. And she takes a couple of weeks to really think it through. And she finally decides the best thing she can do is to take it to the elves for help. The elf kingdom. Yep. <laughs> yes. And, and again, same, same thing with the genre. You know, the elves are, you know, the repository of all knowledge. They know everything. So oh, she, sure. thinks, you know, they're going to know what this is. And her kind of, she kind of hopes that she can just, you know, drop it off and go back home. You know, of course, it's never going to end like that. You know, that. <clears throat> We're going to have a story right, exactly. that happens. So going with her is her twin sister, Sharon. And there is a warrior who lives not too far from where they live. And his name is Shadar. 
and Shadar decides he's going to go with them. And a couple of days before she's ready to leave, her very, very best friend from childhood, the guy that she thought at point at some point she would probably marry him, they were very close. Mm-hmm. And this guy's name is Merrick. Merrick's been gone about two and a half years from the little the little hamlet that they live in. He had gone to study with the mages. So he shows back up in town and he's a mage. And so she goes to him for help. And she tells him, I want to take it to the elves. And he said, you know what? If that's what you want to do, you know, it's your magical object. So if that's what you want to do, then that's what you should do. And I'm going to go with you because I think, you know, you're going to need some help. Now, uh, Aaliyah and her twin sister, Sharon, are swordswomen. So they're, they're you know, pretty good about taking care of themselves. But, you know, the, the road to the elven capital is pretty dangerous. So, you know, it's a lot of out in the wild and things like that. So oh, yeah, a lot of twists and turns. <laughs> yeah, lots of twists and turns. And so that's why the um, the the warrior is a friend of theirs. And so, you know, he's already decided he's going and then Merrick decides to come as well. So when the book opens up, they are actually, you'll, you learn all this at the end of the first chapter. I'm just going to tell you now though. But, right. you know, when the book opens up, they are actually in a battle. They have been attacked by a band of, a small band of orcs. And they are fighting for their life. So it starts immediately in a battle. So you're diving in head first to action. Head first into action. <laughs> um, so that's what's happened is they've been attacked. And of course, you know, orcs are big, horrible, scary creatures. And, you know, there's only four of them. And actually Merrick was away from them. He had gone to scout up on top of the next hill when they were attacked. So he can't really even help. He's afraid, you know, I can't you know, use any magic because I'm going to kill everybody. So he just kind of has to stand there helplessly and watch while his three friends are fighting for their lives. And then just kind of out of the blue, this random guy shows up to help them. And his name, you, you learn, this is, uh, you know, the four were my main characters. And then this guy that comes to help them is also one of the other main characters. He gets pulled into this whole thing and his name is Shao. And, and Leah asked him at the very beginning, she said, what, who are you? Why are you here? And he said, my name is Shao. And she visibly just jumps because everybody has heard of Shao. He is, he has the reputation of being the most dangerous man in the world called the Four Lands. We call it the Four Lands. And some people think of Australia, you know, big <laughs> continent surrounded by water. Oh, so, so in a movie, she'd probably scream when he said, my name's Shao. <laughs> probably what? she'd probably scream when he said my name is Shao. If it <laughs> yeah, she, she's like oh my god Shao. <laughs> right uh, there's actually in the book there's a map by the way that where you know people that are reading it it's uh, you know kind of toward the front where they can kind of look and see what the four lands look like by the way so anyway he helps them and then she doesn't know what to do she doesn't want him to come with them because she doesn't know him is he how does she know? How does he know they were there? They're in the middle of nowhere for this guy to just randomly show up. You know, is he after the orb? Does he know she's gone? Is he tracking her? You know, she Some doesn't. Strange know. coincidence. <laughs> yeah, just a really, you know, as Merrick said, he just happens to show up. He just happens to help us. He just happens to do this and he happens to do that. That yeah, kind of boggles the mind, doesn't it? You're exactly right. It does boggle the mind. <laughs> so <it's kinda laughs> So she doesn't want him skulking along behind them. So she decides the best thing she can do is to have him come with them. And she says, why don't you just come with us till we're out of this area and we'll figure out things tonight when we camp. And he's like, okay. And she, she just is really suspicious of this guy, but he goes with them because, you know, what are you going to, you know, she's like, can I, I can't just say to the most dangerous man in the world, okay, you can't come with us, go away. You know, I don't trust him to not follow us. So maybe I'll just keep an eye on him. 
that exactly. that's kind yeah. of her plan. So <laughs> he is becomes one of the main characters in the book. He gets embroiled in this whole adventure as well. And he is a like I said, he is a martial arts master, uh, and and he's a he's a pretty interesting character. Um, and then in the chapter two, he tells them at one point, I'm here in this area to meet a friend, we're going to travel together. And you meet his friend in the next chapter, the, about halfway through chapter two, you meet his friend and his friend's name is Zimph. Zimph. Z-I-M-P-F, Zimph. Yeah, Z -I -M -P -F, Zimph. Oh, alrighty then. <laughs> and, uh, it's an interesting name. It's for an interesting yes. character. <laughs> the interesting names for interesting characters. Well, yeah, that's that's, you, you, that's enough to to wax your whistle, folks, and you can you know take it and answer all those uh, pressing questions from there. Now, now, Zimph and Sharon and Merrick and uh, Aaliyah, how'd you come up with all these names? Did they just sort of pop in your head? <laughs> so, to a degree, uh, Sharon is in honor of my mother, whose name was Sharon. Okay, gotcha. Um, Aaliyah is for my daughter, whose actual name is Alicia, so it's Aaliyah. Uh, Shadar, I just popped in my head one day. Uh, same thing with Merrick, I just kind of popped in my head one day. Um, Zimph, you'll like this one. When I was in college, I had sometimes classes that were not as, we'll say, interesting as others. Uh -huh. So to entertain myself, I invented a, a space, you know, kind of, kind of a spaceman, and I named him Zimph. And Zimph he was the spaceman. Yeah, Zimph the ever-confused spaceman, and <laughs> he had all these crazy things he believed, like he would look at tele, like at the uh, radio towers, you know, the red and white striped radio towers, and he thought they were actually toothpicks that were used to hold the world together, and he had all these really crazy beliefs, and he was just a funny, funny character, and so I just incorporated that name because Zimph is my comic relief. He's the one that, you know, if everything gets, you know, serious and everybody's upset, he is the one that will lighten the mood. He's, he See, likes to so just as Zimp was your comic relief in boring classes, he's the comic relief in the book. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want it to be, you know, like I said, I kind of, you know, after reading David Eddings and he had one character who was, he wasn't a comic relief character, but he always had these plans to save them from everything. And his plans were always really outrageous and kind of funny. Um, I decided I needed that comic relief in this book. So right. absolutely hilarious. And if I may, I will tell you something he did in a different book. What did he do? <laughs> but this is typical Zimph. Mm -hmm. In one of my later books, there's several people eating a big meal together. Right. And one of the characters that, that's in there, that's not, you know, she's not really, in, in, she comes in along later, but she doesn't really have much of a sense of humor. She's a healer and she just doesn't have so much of a sense of humor. And Zimph has been picking on her all day long, just after her picking, picking, picking. And she <laughs> over it with him. And he says something smart to her while they're eating. And she looks at him and she says, how's your tea? And he looks at her and he realizes she made the tea. <laughs> oh my God, did she put something in the tea? So he, his face just sort of drains of color and he starts to shake and the tea's sloshing everywhere. And he finally looks up at her and he calls her name. He like, he like lurches out of his chair and he's reaching for her for help. And he calls her name and then he just collapses on the ground. Oh and my he, gosh. And he goes into a seizure and everybody at the table turns to stare at this healer. Like just at the same time, they all hits whip around and they look at her and she's going, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't. 
I didn't. And of course, nobody believes her. And there's another healer and another medical person at the table and they run over to try to help him. And again, he's on the floor, you know, it's mouth is, you know, kind of, it's like foaming at the mouth and his eyes are rolled back in his head and he is into a full-blown seizure. And so you've got the one healer and her friend helping. And then the healer that was accused of knocking him down, you know, putting something in his tea runs to help him. And they're passing information back and forth, you know, technical information. Nobody knows what they're talking about. And everybody's just panicked and looking around all except for Shao, who happens to be there. And Shao just calmly gets up, walks around the table. He picks up a pitcher of ice cold water. He goes around and he just forcefully just dashes it in, in Zimp's face. And Zim comes popping up out of there. He's coughing and choking because it's all gone down his nose and his mouth. And he stands there, he's coughing and he's choking. And everybody has frozen to look at him. When he looks around, he realized they know now he was faking. <laughs> he was faking the whole entire time. <laughs> he just goes, uh, ta-da, I'm well. Uh, and then he hides behind a child in the room because, you know, who's going to attack a child? So, Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> it ended up being comic relief, but uh, those are some <laughs> tense moments while he was faking it. <laughs> it really was. But that's typical Zim. That, those are the types of things he does to people. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Zim seems like he'd be a fun guy to just hang out with for a while and kill Tom. But, uh, he, he really does. My sister has told me many a time, Zimp was my favorite character. I loved Zimp. I just loved Zimp. So. See, and if you'd have never been bored in a college class, then he, he might not have ever been created. So. <laughs> well, his name would have probably been different if nothing else. So. That's true. <laughs> might have had a different name anyhow, but, but uh, that's awesome though. Now, just as the process of... Uh, writing and editing a book can can be lengthy at times and and grueling on occasion the process of uh, getting a book published is no walk in the park either so walk us through the the steps you took to become a a published author and the the, the hurdles you had to jump julie okay well when i wrote it i wanted to do standard publishing okay that right. was my goal i'm gonna do it i'm gonna have a i'm gonna go standard publishing and so what I did was I got a list of publishers. I went through all of my fantasy books at home and, you know, kind of took pictures of the publishers, you know, names, addresses, things. Mm -hmm. And then I probably spent an hour and a half at the library pulling down, I think, just about every fantasy novel they had and getting their publication information. And then I went home and checked all these people out. And what I learned is that in order to publish, you have to write something called a query letter. And every publisher has different parameters that you have to meet for the query letter. So it's like, uh -huh. we exactly want to know, you know, so many paragraphs, so many sentences per paragraph, answer these questions. You know, you have all these things you have to do. And then they all wanted something different. You know, I want, send us chapter one, send us a four page synopsis, send us a list of your characters. Uh, they all had something different. So this was 17 different publishers I went after that, that I contacted. And every single one of them had something different that they wanted you to send. Then what happened is, you know, they, you know, put all that together and you also have to have a list of editors. So you're looking at the publishers, they have a list of editors and they, you pick which editors send your, your proposal to, you know, you don't want to send the fantasy novel to the cookbook editor, for example. No, you want to send your fantasy book to those who edit that sort of thing. And, and sometimes they didn't have people that said, we like fantasy, you know, we just do fiction. Well, yeah. So anyway, so I made the whole list and then you can resubmit every so often with a different publisher. So I mean, a different editor. So you send it to this publisher and editor A and you don't hear back from them in, you know, 30, 60, you know, 14, however many days. 
then you can send it to editor B. So you can imagine I did this for nine months sending out stuff. I had a whole calendar and a whole list of things and who I sent it to and who got what. I had a big file about that thick of stuff, uh, everything on my computer also, and just trying to keep up with everything. And every day I would get up and go, okay, can I send it to somebody else today? And so it was like a constant, constant movement of, of paperwork and emails and, and nobody answered me. I didn't even get a rejection letter, <laughs> nothing, oh, nobody. I know. Uh, so then I thought I need to be more aggressive. So I started calling and out of the 17 publishers, I actually spoke to three live people and all three of them said the exact same thing. Did you self-publish? No, I don't want to self-publish. I want a standard publisher. I think this book is good enough that a standard publisher will pick it up. And they said, no, we won't. No, we won't. What they want is they want you to self-publish first. You self-publish, you get people to read the book, to buy the book, to read the book, and to leave um, uh, comments. Sure. They want you to rank. You, know, you go to back. Google and see where they've ranked the book. You know, Amazon. Um, I have a web page called juliehperalta.com. All my socials are in the back of the book. Uh, but you, what, that's what they want. They want to see. They want me to go back with them. They said, when you have self-published, then what you're going to do, you're going to send the query letter. And in the query letter, you're going to say, I self-published. You may read my reviews on Goodreads, on Amazon, on wherever anybody has left a comment. So sure. that is the only way they will publish. They kind of want to guarantee that people like the book before they will even look at taking it and publishing it for you. Oh, I see. So, so they, they advised you to self-publish. Yeah. which you did and so afterwards and uh, you you know you got some reviews and then I guess you uh touched base with them again then we'll touch base with them again and see what happens uh so far my reviews have been really strong uh the book's only been out two weeks so there's not a ton of them yet but I, I <laughs> more got will my come yeah you just got to give people time to get their hands on it yeah got to get it get it read you know people are busy and and you know it's a 300 and almost 40 page book you know sometimes people don't zip through those in a day like my brother did you know most people take a little time to read a book uh, sure. And so, you know, but the reviews I'm getting are really strong. I got my first one from Goodreads a couple of nights ago. Somebody went on Goodreads and gave it five stars out of five and just glowing recommendations. So cross my fingers, everybody else. So far, I've gotten really good reviews off of Amazon. Uh, and I have a, uh, like I said, I have a web page and I also have a, a Facebook page. It's the Crystal Orb. Just go to Facebook, type in the Crystal Orb, it'll pop up. So I've gotten really good. The reviews I've gotten have gotten really good. I don't have a lot of them, but again, it's only been out. Uh, actually, two weeks from today is when it came out. So see, so still, still very newly published, and uh, <laughs> you're, uh, you know, you're well on your way to getting others know that. But boy, has the art of publishing a book <laughs> and the process changed. It has changed. Now, the good thing about the self-publishing is, you know, I did have an editor. You know, I had somebody go through and read the book and, and look for a, you know, plot holes and things like that. And they also looked for, um, you know, any kind of grammar mistakes. You know, did I use the word surprise three sentences in a row or things like that? So I did have an editor go through and they had some really strong suggestions. I had to do a lot of rewrites uh, and, you know, get rid of all the, the and I, my degrees in English. And I said, oh, no, there's no grammar problems in there. 
Yeah, there were. <laughs> there were a bunch. <laughs> a bunch more than I thought I would have left in there. Oh, uh, my daughter good. also edited it, and she also has a degree in English, although she's in nursing school right now. She does, didn't want to teach. There you uh, go. Well, she, she's uh, she's got a well-rounded uh, background then. Yes, she does. Say, in uh, she does. English she and education. In addition to your your daughter, um, who uh, who was the editor? Where did where was she hired from? Uh, from the my publisher's name is, is uh, Palmetto Press, and I, I will tell you that I cannot brag about this company enough. If there's <laughs> anybody out there that is looking at self-publishing, please call Palmetto Press and talk to them. Uh, they are out of uh, Charleston, South Carolina. I'm sorry, reading the back of the book, um, and they have been absolutely fabulous. So it was uh, uh, their one uh, one of their on staff editors. Uh, everybody there I talked to and worked with were fabulous and anything that I was not happy with they went out of their way to make me happy with it so well that's great so <laughs> they, they were fabulous uh, but like I said I you know yes I had just a regular you know one of their on staff editors to go through the book and you know she had a lot of suggestions and a lot of changes and shockingly to me she had a lot of really good things to say and I just you know <laughs> That's great. I'm not surprised, but that's great. <laughs> yeah, I know some of those editors tend to be pretty uh, blunt, shall we say? <laughs> oh yeah, and she was. Uh, she she was pretty blunt, and and there were several things I don't understand. This why does this have to be like this? Uh, she called me out on my elves. She said, "Do your elves have to be you know white with blue eyes and blonde hair?" And I went, "Well, yeah." Then you read Tolkien. It's not like I'm making this stuff up now, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, but she was right, and they are no longer uh, white with blue eyes and blonde hair. They have lots of different colors. They're whatever color you want them to be. And uh, their hair is no longer blonde. It's sort of a nondescript unless they go out in the sun. And they go out in the sun, you can see a tint to their hair. And they all have different colored tints, so they're really pretty. You know, some of them have like blue or red or, you know, the king, I think, had gold tints in his hair. So they all have different colors in their hair. And then that, that color is reflected in their eyes. So if they have blue tint in their hair, they have blue eyes. If they have kind of a red tint in their hair, their eyes are brown with kind of like red flecks in there, you know. So sure. they all have, uh, you know, like I said, uh, all kinds of different hair colors are not just blue, the red, or whatever color you want it to be. So, so different colored elves. It's different colored, all their, whatever color you want them to be, and their hair, is, or their hair has interesting colors. So. And interesting colored hair as well. But anyway, yeah, bringing endorsement indeed for, for Palmetto Publishing. So any of you aspiring authors out there, if you're interested in self-publishing, definitely, you know, contact uh, Palmetto and they'll they'll give you plenty of uh, of guidance and direction. Okay. Now you said um, there were four books in this series and you're actually working on the fourth one now, correct? I yes, I am. I'm on See. chapter 38. Just started it last night. So you're on the last book and um, you're, you've got to be creeping towards the last chapter. How many chapters do you anticipate in that last I book? Don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Remains to be seen. I don't okay. know what's going to happen. But well, we know I'm at least 38. No, at least 38. Uh, and I'm planning on writing a prequel. Um, all my characters have these little interesting backstories. And my daughter has said repeatedly, I have to hear that story. You have to tell me this story. What happened here or what happened there? Um, as an example, uh, they, they visit this little village at one point and they find out, they know this village, I've known it from, by reputation because there had been a plague that had gone through and killed a 
half of the population. And three of the men that they, they meet in their travels, uh, they, the story is that these three men went to this really dangerous area called the Outland and procured this you know, weird plant and brought it back. And that's what the elves helped them use that plant to develop you know, a, a way to save all these people, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, my daughter keeps going over and over again. I want to hear the story of the three guys that went into the outlands. What happened there? You know? So you're going to reveal the backstories to all these characters. I am. I've gotten, the biggest question I've gotten is how did Aaliyah and her twin Sharon become swordswomen? How did that happen? So that'll be in there. Uh, I'm just telling people as I read it, if you have any questions, toss them in my direction. I'll put it in the uh, prequel. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Julie will ponder them and uh, give you the answer in, in due time when the when the prequel comes out. Now, uh, about what kind of timetable do you think we're looking at, Julie, for book number two in the series? I would like to have it out within the year. Okay, before Christmas? I don't know about before Christmas. It was kind of a lengthy process. So Sure, sure. Uh, maybe uh, I'm hoping to get it to the publisher around Christmas. So... And once I sent my my manuscript into the publisher, because you know, sent it into them, uh, there was a whole thing that had me fill out as, as exactly what I wanted. Uh, and just as an example, I don't know if your readers could, but but you know, on the cover, you know, you've got an orb, and then there's actually a person's face. There wasn't a stock picture. There was an artist who drew that. And when I explained to them what I wanted, and they sent me the sample, I went. Oh, bless your heart. You know, that's never good, right? Yeah, bless but bless your heart in, in the South is, <laughs> it sounds is not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> it was like, oh, bless your heart. No, no, this is not what I want. And they called me the next day and said, can you, you know, we went over exactly what I wanted it to look like. And they came through like with flying colors. But we're talking, you know, probably a week to get the idea out of my head and through an artist's hands and then onto a piece of paper. You know, that, yeah. that took, so, you know, everything that we did was a week or two to, to get in and get done. It didn't happen overnight. It did not. So <laughs> it, it took, I think I started with them in February uh, and I did not get my book back until August. And some of that was all me, you know, it was not them because they sent me the document, you know, they, you know, the editor sent it to me and I said, oh, I'll have this thing back to her in a week. No, I have back here in a week. It took me like a month to go through every single solitary thing, rewrite a bunch of it, you know, fix all the grammar mistakes that I found that I didn't think I made that I did. Uh, it, you know, it, and, and of course, I pointed out, you know, you use the same word three sentences running. And so it took quite a while to do it. So, you know, the, the delay to getting it back that quickly was all on me. They, they usually, if you move fast, I think three months is what they say. But I took longer because, you know, it's my first book and I wanted it to be perfect. Yeah, and it, and it was a learning curve, too, there that you, that you had to, uh, you know, get past and, and conquer. But uh, so when you say within the year, you mean the calendar year, like between now yes. and next August. Yes, yes. Okay, gotcha. So that's our goal. Keep your eyes open and uh, ears peeled for book. Now, what you say book number two is called? Right now, it's called The Mage. That is my working title, and I'm thinking about leaving it with that. If possibility, it could change. So, but right now, it's being called The Mage. Right now, it's The Mage, subject to change. But uh, look forward to that. And in the meantime, you can wax your whistle with uh, the crystal orb. And uh, Julie, fill us in one more time on the outlets where we can uh, purchase a copy of the crystal orb. 
Okay. You can find it. It is available at Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Uh, it's supposed to be available at Walmart or you know any place that sells books, Target, wherever. I've actually not checked those two vendors because I just was just told that like yesterday. So I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to double check, but this certainly is absolutely available. You know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you can go online and order it. Um, and it is available locally at your brother's bookstore that's in Evansville on Main Street. They have several copies there for sale. And when they run out, they're going to call me and I'll send some more up there. Many of your typical outlets and uh, it's definitely yeah, readily available for sure. Now, uh, <laughs> last but not least, Julie, what advice might you pass along to uh, those in our audience uh, who hope to maybe become the next teacher or the next author, or maybe perhaps both after after hearing our conversation. <laughs> All right, for, for aspiring teachers, you don't know what kind of advice I would give you other than, you know, you've got to love what you do, okay? If the passion's got to be not going to go into this job to make money, I can promise you that. I have been teaching here for 22 years, but I have another 10 years worth of experience. So I've been teaching for over 32 years. And I have loved every minute of it. I love the kids. Um, I work with the teenagers and I hear people go, oh my God, not teenagers. Teenagers are great. They're hilarious and they're fun. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of just have to listen to them. So just be sure you love what you do. Yeah. And lend them an ear. <laughs> and, and I've got, you know, I could not deal, you know, I could not work with the little kids. I, I don't know what it is. It's just not my thing. Uh, <laughs> different and strokes have, for different folks. Yes, exactly. And I have a sister-in-law who loves the little kids and you tell her teenagers, she goes, oh my God, not teenagers. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all, you know, pick a field, you know, you want to be something that you love. You don't want to dread for anything. I think you don't want to dread going to work every day. I, I love my job. I love doing it, but I really like the teenagers. I like to tease them and pick on them and listen to them. And uh, I just find them fascinating. So my, my mom used to say it was my mental maturity. So she might she might be right after I wrote this. <laughs> um, you know, as far oh, as being an, an aspiring author, uh, same advice. You know that I've given several people. Do it. Yeah, Sit down just do and it. write. You don't. You have to write the. You know, I did not write a three hundred and forty word book in a night. You know, I just wrote a. I, chipped away at it. I, I wrote a little bit every night. Like I said, I made myself a promise. You have to write every day. I think it was, um, I know there's a famous author that said it, but for this audience, let's just say if anybody watches Supernatural, there's a character in there named Becky. And she says all the time, writers, write, writers, write. So that's it. If you're going to be a writer, then then do it. Write. Yeah, just do, do it. it. That, that slogan sounds that slogan sounds familiar for some strange reason, but, uh, but anyhow, well, thanks so much, Julie, for joining us. We'll make sure to get our hands on the crystal orb, and we look forward to your future work. Three more to come in this series. Thank so. you. I hope people enjoy it, and if you read it, if you would please leave me a, uh, a comment. Again, on my social pages or on the back, it's uh, Julie H. Peralta, that's P-E-R-A-L-T-A.com. Uh, and again, you got the Crystal Orb on Facebook. I've also got Twitter, Instagram, you know, TikTok, Snapchat, all of those. You know, my daughter had to set that up for me. So, well, hey, you got the social media outlets covered. Yeah, next, yeah. next thing yeah. we know, Julie, you'll have a YouTube yeah. channel. So, thank you. 
Good, good reads, Amazon, so say something, okay? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, feedback is greatly appreciated. But Julie, you've been a blast. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have. It was fun. Thank you, Sue, for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yay, Julie, she was so great, and so is her book. So make sure that uh, you check out The Crystal Orb. It's readily available, easy to find, and well worth the read. We will certainly keep you posted on Julie's future endeavors in terms of the series and books to come, and I know we'll want to have her back on here with us once these books are unveiled. So stay tuned for that. I greatly appreciate Julie coming on and uh, sharing with us about her background and her first book. She was quite... A delightful guest. Now, my friend, if you know of an author with ties to Kentucky who has recently gotten a book published or gotten a book published uh, a while back that more people need to know about, shoot me that email and uh, tell me about this author, okay? It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. I absolutely love talking to authors about their writing and the inspiration behind their writing. This is, I believe, my third author. Well, maybe fourth or fifth if you count um, others that have, you know, written small books, maybe picture books and so forth about their their travels. But uh, right off top of my head, I remember Debbie Dady, who uh, is a well-known children's book author from my hometown of Henderson. We've had her on and uh, Teresa Rachetti Cantrell, the former Mayfield mayor, who wrote a great book about uh, finding Frank, her journey in uh, discovering where and who her uh, biological father was. So I definitely recommend that. Oh, and Dave Shuffett, we had him on not long ago, former KET personality, and he's got a couple books to his name. So I'll probably think of a few more people that I've had on my show uh, who have turned out to be authors of at least a few books when I wrap this thing up. But nonetheless, you get the point. I love talking with folks about their writing. And also, that same email address, bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com, use that to uh, fill me in on other people from restaurant owners, state park managers, musicians, you name it. If they are people that help to make this state great, I am more than glad to consider them for future participation on this show. So don't be shy and also feel free to reach out to me via that Blabbit in the Bluegrass Facebook page. I'm readily available there as well. And uh, please like and follow the page too because all of my previous shows are right there at your fingertips. I uh, release teasers on upcoming shows about once a week so you can keep up to speed with future plans, and you can, of course, make comments and leave messages. Now, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, we're going to come your way again next Wednesday, and that would be August the 31st. Lo and behold, that is the very last day here in the month of August, so make sure that you're here with me, and we will do our best to wrap up the month of August in style together. How's that? But uh, before we Part ways for this time around, let's reveal the answer of this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we brought to you at the beginning of the show. I know that you're well aware of the words to the Pledge of Allegiance of the uh, United States flag. You've probably been reciting that for years if you're like me. 
you uh, did it every morning over the intercom when uh, the principal led it, back when I was in elementary school. But do you know the Pledge of Allegiance to the Kentucky State flag? We're going to find out right here, right now, how much, if any, you know. Here is, verbatim, the Kentucky State flag pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Kentucky flag and to the sovereign state for which it stands. One commonwealth blessed with diversity, natural wealth, beauty, and grace from on high. There you have it. That is the Pledge of Allegiance to the Kentucky State Flag. And if it doesn't sound familiar, well, we won't hold it against you. Don't worry. Because it was just established in the year 2000. Now, yes, that was a while back, but uh, that's quite a bit newer than the uh, Pledge of Allegiance to the United States flag. So <laughs> this uh, Kentucky State Pledge only goes back 22 years. Like we said, it was adopted in 2000, and there you have it, the Pledge of Allegiance to the Commonwealth State flag. Now, come on back next week. We'll hope to have another Bluegrass Brain Buster for you. And in the meantime, make sure that you listen and subscribe to the show without paying one thin dime via Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. They are all free. They are all easy to use. And uh, more podcast directories are uh, on the horizon. So stay tuned for updates about those. But for now, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal are all right at your fingertips, and they are very user-friendly outlets by which you can access Blabbing in the Bluegrass. So until we come at you again, you know what I'm going to ask of you. One, Well, it's actually a combination of multiple requests, but you know the drill. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing, blabbing in the Bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.